it was all right actually in the end i think i think we both had our strengths and um and and also our weaknesses but we sort of balanced each other out and and got on really well in terms of in terms of our fitness episode 318 a south america bike tour with anna mcnuff and faye shepherd part two you're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Different people that have chosen to go on major adventures together, they always have a perspective in the beginning and then obviously during the the adventure itself. And then when they look back, you know, on the adventure, they all have a different perspective a little bit about how they manage the relationship because it's hard when you're putting yourselves through such difficult times. It makes people really real, really raw. You can't, you can't mm-hmm. fake it anymore. You're going to be who you are, right? Yeah. And so I, different people have had different strategies on how just to get along. And I'm yeah. curious, did yeah. you two decide anything in advance on how to manage disagreements? Um, I, not really in advance. Not that, not that I could, I can remember. I mean, Anna and I, like we, we knew each other, obviously we met each other in New Zealand and we hung out, you know, beforehand, but we, we weren't super close before, but I think, Anna hit hit the nail on the head really when when I sort of asked her like what well, why what why me really like why why did you you know call me and ask if I if I wanted to go and I think I think you know, if you know that you, the, the the core values of somebody is 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 gen, generally good like I know Anna's a kind a good person then the rest the peripheral stuff doesn't doesn't really matter and you can make mm-hmm. it work um and so with her saying that that really hit home like i know i know anna's a good a good person um and so and the rest doesn't really matter um but i definitely learned a lot of like just being with somebody else like anna said um like i would i would massively avoid conflict beforehand mm. and just put my head down and if something annoyed me i would just sort of shrink into my own little world and and just let it eat away at me without saying something and then come the end we just we were just like you know if something annoys us just just say and then we we sort of work it out there and then and and do you know what that that is the way that's the way it worked and it 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 just worked in the end didn't it yeah <laughs> Anna, i can't imagine you would do it the same way it seems to me anna you would be all over it like put this on the table we're gonna chew this right now yeah. <laughs> well this <laughs> yeah. is the thing before the trip i wasn't so like that but i think it clocked quite early on for me and I think I realized there was a, a difference between thoughts and actions. And I think like exactly what Fade said, I think we had a good, good ground level that both of us knew that we weren't idiots. Like on the inside, you're very co- good, kind hearted people, you know, and we both wanted the best for each other. And then, but there is all that peripheral stuff, which drives you nuts about one. You know, I, I would drive Faye up. My tent was an absolute pigsty, <laughs> you know, and Faye has the cleanest tent in the world, you know, and some days I would take ages packing up and other days Faye would take ages packing up and um, Faye loves dogs. And I, I'm a cat person. Like it was just all this stuff. But, um, <laughs> But I, I think quite early on, I just, I sort of, you know, the, I remember the first few times something would annoy me and I thought, uh, hang on, this isn't, it's not nice for either one of us to be annoyed. So actually, I think the only option is to bring it up. And I think one of our first disagreements we actually had, we were going up that 6,000 meter volcano and it was like <laughs> a, a sort of 4,000 meters. I literally threw my gloves on the floor. I was like, let's talk about it. And it just came out my mouth. And I think that kind of, that first initial falling out and making up at you know 4,700 meters high <laughs> it just set the bar I think we just both went actually that wasn't that bad I don't know for me I sort of thought I hate yeah. conflict I absolutely mm. hate it but I just thought I thought if it's not I just I think I realize you're not respecting you think you're respecting the other person by not saying anything but actually you're not respecting the friendship because the way to respect a friendship is to plow effort into it like you would your your partner or your lover you know you wouldn't you wouldn't stew with a lover for days on end because you know some people might do, but you kind of want to fix it and you want to make it right. And I think I listened to a podcast while we were away that that talked about 
a partnership being like an ecosystem and actually it shouldn't be about one of you being right and one of you being wrong because if one of you's right and the other one's wrong that harms the whole ecosystem so it's mm. actually just about understanding what one another's saying and normally what you're saying is yeah i'm hurt or i'm upset and it comes out in a variety of forms um mm. but yeah but i i just learned so much through the trip and um yeah i just i'm so i'm so grateful for for what it's given me i feel like the dalai lama in training (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to stereotype too much here but i gotta say it i've I've interviewed men who have gone on adventures together and i love your approach because it's let's face it it's more about working through everything together and it's about the relationship but let me tell you what the guys did because I just think it's funny in contrast. There's one, one couple of guys that said, well, if we can't agree on any course of action, we're going to flip a coin and do it. Oh, yes. That was the, the, car, the canoers. Right. Correct. Yes. I listened to that. I thought it was hilarious. I think we both listened to that. Did you listen to that I one? I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah. We listened to many a podcast. We listened the, to all the them, trip. Basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we did. So, yeah, I did. That was a brilliant way to solve it. Well, and those two guys were high school students and an epic journey. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, story that they have to share. But then there was uh, another couple of guys and their choice was, if we disagree on the course of action, we'll do whichever is the most conservative. And I thought, well, that kind of makes sense. You choose safety, right? But the point is they pre-planned in the beginning, um, we're going to resolve conflict by by having a rule so we don't have to talk about it too much. (laughs) and so what i'm getting from you is it was no this is about growth in the relationship and learning how to get along as individuals (laughs) yeah oh definitely yeah definitely yeah we could not talk about i don't know maybe that is a male female thing but you just i think sometimes as well you think you've let things go and then you haven't and i just think you know you can kid yourself a thousand times but really you have to have got to it and i think if you put like a um, if you'd heard our conversations through the walls when we'd had a disagreement, it would have gone like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like that would have happened every time. It was so funny. And you could just see that kind of, you know, like the chimp in both of us. Like, yeah, we could both see it, I think. And um, yeah, it was great. But that's only because I think we were both like that. Like I said, like Faye's just a mate, you know, she's got the most kind, amazing heart. And I think, you know, when you know that's there, I mean, both, yeah, it's just, yeah. It just works out. You too, mate, Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> what you've pointed out so so well, so many people think that adventures are about the physical feat, right? But yeah. by the yeah. end, the people we interview, they're all like, wow, you really climb a mountain mentally more than physically. Or, yeah. you know, it, it's learning how to overcome your, your personal limitations. And those are more cognitive than they are physical. And so what we find with these adventures without going into a bunch of psychobabble, but they cause us to get really real on the inside as well as on the outside. Mm. Yeah. We, Faye, I'm just going to say that Faye beforehand said, I said, you know, when we get to the salt flats, which is this region in Bolivia, where <laughs> it's the largest salt flats in the world. And you might have seen the kind of crystallized salt hexagons that go on for miles and miles and miles. You can see someone coming for about half an hour in a car and there's basically no one out there. Mm. And um, I said to Faye, I said, Faye, you know, when we get there, we're, we're getting naked. I said, <laughs> we're gonna, I said, we're going to strip naked and we're going to cycle naked. And she was like, why? And I was like, because like, you, I know you don't want to. And then, so we have to do it. And um, and we got you to do it, didn't we, Faye? You did. Yes. Yeah, you did. Like, I barely get naked to get in a shower. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a prude. It's Yeah, it takes a lot for me to get my clothes off. And uh, and so when Anna, like, turned and looked at me and we were on the salt flats, I was like, right, this is it. She's like, you're going to do it? I was like, well, yeah, I think I am. <laughs> okay, well, I have to ask, what did you learn from the experience? Uh, what, of getting naked? naked and cycling (laughs) right um (laughs) it's not as painful as it sounds um (laughs) the uh it's extremely liberating actually i mean just like we were like cycling around in big circles doing naked high fly flybys absolutely (laughs) laughing laughing our heads off really just thinking this is just ridiculous but so much fun (laughs) Um, but no, it, no, it was just incredible, very liberating, and actually, like nothing bad happened at all. And in fact, I, I, 
just thought it was an amazing, fun experience that it was completely harmless and a lot of fun. So, Well, you know, we all know the three-year-olds when they get out of the shower. They, they're trying to tell us there's something to this, but <laughs> I don't want to dive That's too it. deep into that psychology. That's I it. think they should send people to the salt flats to get naked as like therapy. Like, <laughs> fears. like it's not that bad. Just go and do it. Well, there yeah, aren't many yeah. places left on earth where you can do that without fear of being watched. So that was exactly. it. I thought exactly. if not now, then when? Yeah, we had a, we had a lot of fun on the salt flats for sure. Like we like I got stung by a scorpion, which Ooh. turned out to be which turned out to be fine actually. But um, but I mean the process of being stung by a scorpion was quite hilarious. <laughs> in the fact that you know uh, Anna and I had you know Anna is a meticulous planner aren't you Anna you you're very like good at planning plan. you do yeah. like a good plan and yeah. uh, and and I'm I, I I fly by the seat of my pants a lot of the time but you know we ha- we hadn't looked into whether there are dangerous animals really we thought there's no scary mammals and that that'll be fine but um I ended up stepping on a scorpion when we were packing away our tents just before we we're about to cycle onto the salt flats and I felt this pain and I, I looked down at my foot and there was a scorpion stuck on the end of my toe and I'm there going, Oh my gosh. And, uh, and Anna comes over and is like, Oh my gosh, what's happened? I said, I've been stung by a scorpion. She says, okay, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google, you know, are scorpions dangerous? It's so, good 3G in Bolivia. It was good data. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was, data. there was, we were near a town. Yeah, and uh, and so Anna was, you were googling away, weren't you? And um, looking, and then she was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Oh my god, what?" She's like, "I've just lost 3G signal." I'm like, "That's not oh my god! Oh my god, is this going to kill you?" <laughs> um, so, uh, but thankfully, thankfully, it wasn't. It wasn't in you know, a life threatening. It hurt a lot, but it, it went away. So, yeah. uh, and then I get I get the cool story that I've been stung by a scorpion. I'm delighted yeah. with that. <laughs> that wow. that scorpion apparently I found out it only harms old people or small children. They're the only ones that that unfortunately end in fatality. So we were we were fine. We were in neither yeah. category. You just got a really <laughs> hard toe, didn't you? Your toe went. Really I did get hard. a hard toe. Yeah, it was yeah. quite impressive. Well, impressive most scorpions aren't that venomous, but there are some that can be pretty yeah. nasty. Yeah. Well, that's it, and you, yeah. you just see in the movies, don't you? You just think, "Oh my God, it's a scorpion!" And I, I just, I felt, I just felt so stupid at that point. I thought, yeah. "How?" And when, and if I do a talk about it now, I'll say to someone in the audience, "What would you do if your friend got stung by a scorpion right now?" And they sort of say, "I, I, I don't know." And I said, "That was me. That was exactly yeah. me." You know, you just you don't think to research that kind of stuff. No, like, we we yeah. look back and we're like head in hands moment. It's like, how could we have done this? But you yeah. know, you live and learn, don't you? Fortunately, in this instance. Well, you do know a lot of people like to eat scorpions. Yeah, I've heard that. Really? Have you, eaten <laughs> Have you ever eaten a scorpion? No, not a scorpion. They, they. I've heard they're very tasty, but I, I don't know. I'm not that curious. Oof. Oh no, nor am I. You'd have to have a lot of ketchup with that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> or sugar, something. Oh, sugar, something. But Faye, yeah. <laughs> you could get your revenge. You really could. I, I could, but this was a tiny little thing. It was like, you know, a what's it size. Piece of, yeah. <laughs> well, I understand yeah, the smaller so ones are the more dangerous, so. Oh, That's there you it. go. It a ninja. That, makes me, that makes me feel even more gnarly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do a little bit of sharing the trip that maybe the listeners want to know what the scenery was like or the weather was like. So let's start with Anna. Generally, mm-hmm. what was the scenery like? Oh, just just incredible i cannot explain how beautiful and changeable it was so um in bolivia you've got jungle you know jungle kind of uh, it looks like that and and everything's green and lush and humid and you're eating fresh mangoes and then we went into the out onto the salt flats and that just looks like everything's covered in snow and is salty and just amazing and then from there, you go into the Lagunas area and, and into the Atacama Desert, and there's all this red sand and barren volcanic landscapes. And then you get, again, back into lush areas of Argentina, which is just green and lots of farmland, and then down into Patagonia, which is just glaciers and peppermint-colored rivers and the most pure blue lakes you've ever seen, um, snow-capped mountains. It Oh, it's just for scenery, it beats anywhere I've ever been. I mean, the US is incredible for scenery, but for sheer variety um, and for places where no one else is and you're on a dirt track by yourself for days on end, just, yeah, blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. The world is just beautiful. 
Mm. Well, I was following your trip on Instagram, and the pictures are still there. So, Faye, how can people find your Instagram? And then, Anna, what's yours? Um, I, so I'm at Faye, which is F-A-Y-E underscore Shepherd, S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. And then yeah, and Anna? I'm, I'm at Anna McNuff. It's catchy. It's uh, it's an alias. I go by. Yeah, I'm just my all my name all all, all together. So not too hard to figure out. <laughs> I think mine should, mine should come with a health warning. It's got a naked cycling picture on there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, on no. there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But this is the thing people would say to say to us. They'd say, "God, your pictures are amazing." And how did you take such great pictures? And honestly, out there, you just put the camera and you point and shoot and. And it just comes out phenomenal. I mean, mm. that, yeah, it was. It's a place to take the camera. It's just really, re- absolutely loved it. And sometimes we look at a picture and go, "That looks even better in the picture <laughs> than it actually is." <laughs> Fall is the best time to start thinking snow, and Bent Gate Mountaineering is ready to help you get prepared for your epic winter. Come check out the latest in alpine touring, Telemark, NTN, and splitboarding gear. Brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Never Summer, Jones, and BCA. And you need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags, and they are ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. You can also rent skis, boots, splitboards, beacons, shovels, and probes at Bentgate. What's more, they host free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Stop by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to check out your new gear as well as to get updates on all of their events. Faye, how about you take the weather then? What kind of weather did you experience? Uh, again, we like we we experienced the extremes. Like we went from the you know the forty-five degree heat and the dryness uh, right down to like when we were at altitude at night and it just plummeted to around minus seventeen degrees. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit actually, um, but it was freezing. Like our water bottles would be frozen um, uh, inside the tent. It would all be frosty. <laughs> uh and then we didn't have i don't think we had any i think we had two days of rain for the first four months which is a cyclist's dream isn't it you just it's just lovely being able to pack away a dry tent and then get out a dry tent in the evening uh and then we hit sort of southern southern chile and patagonia uh where it it rained quite a lot <laughs> so uh that's when we had to get used to uh, damp camping or damping as we like to call it <laughs> <Damping>. um, <laughs> because everything is just wet your clothes are wet you put on wet wet cycling shoes the next day um, and then right down at the bottom we had we had some snow going over the peaks um, and then actually actually on the last the last night um, we'd we spent a long time going up and over this final mountain pass um, and it was snowing at the top and we put it on all our layers, but as you go down, obviously you're not pedaling, and so you're not generating any energy and any heat. So you, by the time you get to the bottom, you're just freezing, freezing cold, <laughs> like absolutely freezing cold. And Anna, Anna had had chillblains bef- before, actually, like a, a week or two before, because we'd we'd gotten really cold. Mm. Um, and that night we were like, the the chillblains are not coming back. So we 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 set up our tent. Um, and we had this, this, this dog that was hanging around, but uh, that's a, that's a different story. (laughs) That's a different story. Um, but we, we couldn't really cook our, our meal because this dog was outside and, you know, I was just in my, in all my clothes, in my sleeping bag, trying to warm up. And I heard this, this noise from next door and in the tent next door, which was obviously Anna. I, I heard, Oh, this is so good. This is so good. And what she'd done, she'd cooked, um, her chickpeas in in the um uh, over the stove and then eating the chickpeas and then there was this chickpea water left that was that was warm and she had 
put her toes in this tiny pot. So I can just imagine her of, of warm chickpea water. She's like, mate, this is so good. You've got to do this. And like, I'm there freezing in the tent, just hearing these noises. She's like, oh, I was like, no, I'm not getting out of the tent. I'm not getting out of my sleeping bag. Next thing, Anna comes over next door with this chickpea water that has had Anna's feet in it. That by this stage, probably like three or four days sans shower um and she brings over this this rather smelly pot of warm water and i thought that's it that's friendship right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's friendship i agree that's That's friendship and then uh yeah and then i obviously do do the same but uh but yeah no no massive massive extremes of temperatures and all sorts of weathers really so we we had to carry all sorts of kit for it but um but we managed i think (laughs) wow well, that really is extreme. I mean, 45 degrees yeah. Celsius to negative 17 Celsius. Um, yeah. That we're talking about, what, 113-ish, I think, down to almost zero Fahrenheit. So well, almost, yeah. you know, it's almost the coldest and the warmest that you're going to experience on this planet. It gets a little colder. Yeah. It doesn't get much warmer than that. But you had all yeah. of that, and you had to have all of the gear for those extremes right on your bike. Yeah, yes, I think that's yeah. why we... We couldn't. I mean, I think I'd like to have gone lighter, but um, I don't know how much lighter I could have gone. I mean, and also I was I was carrying my laptop with me because I was trying to edit mm. edit a book while we were going. So wow. I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have gone much lighter um, and and not been uncomfortable. I think for me that was the thing. It's all about being comfortable in the evenings, and I certainly was never too cold. I think Faye had one or two nights where you were too cold, but I think that was the That's main the thing. Yeah. yeah, and 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 really like we we went bare minimum on the amount of cycle clothing we had and and you know going 10 days without a shower you couldn't really go you know for health reasons you couldn't really have you know less than what we had in in terms of cycling shorts and you know cycling tops that sort of thing because it was just (laughs) it was rather rather smelly come day 10 without a shower (laughs) oh i can imagine yeah Yeah. that's that's friendship as well that's true friendship as well. (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's it well i have to throw one tip to you that's come up on the show before other people may have heard it but when you're camping and it's really cold boil some water put it in your water bottle throw that in the bottom of your sleeping bag then go to bed. Oh, yes. Oh. Oh. That sounds good. And it, it's not nasty. It's contained. No. There's no chickpea was... soup required. <laughs> so. I felt like a real survivalist when I did that. I'm like, oh, my bear grills. Look at me using my chickpea water. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How much fun is that? So we need to cover a little bit more stuff here. Anna, you mentioned you were editing the book. Is this the yes. same book? The book, yes. I edited the book. I just came out this summer. I was I was editing it for a lot of nights in my tent from about about seven o'clock in the evening. Faye and I would say our goodbyes. Sometimes we'd have a little film night or maybe not, and we'd kind of zip up our tents and go to our separate tents. And then I would prop my sleeping bag up behind my head, open my laptop, and um, edit my my 130,000-word manus- manuscript that I'd written and needed to come down by, by a fair bit. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a bit tiring. And then if we'd get into a town, I would just take the opportunity to sit up at a table and drink coffee all day and not move from the coffee shop. And, and Faye would go And eat lemon pie. And, yeah, and eat <laughs> lemon pie. I ate so much lemon pie. <laughs> lemon um, pie, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I edited a book while I was on the trip. Well, tell us about the book because it just came out. Am I right? It did. Yes. It is about, um, it's called The Pants of Perspective. And uh, that is pants in the American terms. So they're kind of these trouser leggings um, that basically saved the day in, um, in my New Zealand run. So it's about the, the me running the 3,000 kilometer, 2,000 mile um, Tiaroa Trail in New Zealand where Faye and I first met. Um, and it is the ups and the downs and the roller coaster ride that was pretty much a, a sort of a coming of age journey for me. And it's got a little love story in there as well. I won't spoil wow. it for you, but there's definitely a love story. And it's not me and Faye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's about my boyfriend and I. And it doesn't um, have yeah, anything but, to do with the salt flats, right? There's nothing to do with the salt flats in there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I remember, Anna, when I interviewed you the first time about your run, that you got to a point where you had sprained your ankle and you had a long way to go to get to help. 
and you put on your unicorn yeah. pants, rainbows and unicorns. Yes. And you said, yes. with those pants on, how could I fail? They, they cheered you up, and you managed to, to go the distance that you needed to go, even with your injury. I guess that must be the pants of perspective. That is the pants of perspective. Yeah, they are my secret weapon. So I had them in my bag, and I, I'd sprained my ankle in the middle of the bush, and I was just dazed from anywhere, and I just hit this rock bottom point. And then I basically pulled them on, and um, they, they, they just put everything back in perspective because I just thought, I look ridiculous. I've got a unicorn <laughs> on one leg, a robot on the other, and there's a rainbow across my front. <laughs> I mean, what am I doing? And I'm running a, a trail by myself with a stuffed toy for company. And um, so they put everything back in perspective. So the book is called The Pants of Perspective. So, um, Faye, when yeah, you met I, Anna in New Zealand, did she have those pants on? Um, I think, actually, no, she, did, she didn't at that <laughs> time. You didn't. No, no. I think when you were emerging from the bush, you didn't have those pants on. But no, um, I maybe you, you sort of knew there was a bottle of wine and at the, at the end of the day. <laughs> I had the ice cream, the pot of ice cream of perspective at that point. There you go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> well, I have to laugh because had Anna had those pants on, would you have said hello or would you have just run away? I totally want to say hello. I would, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I just had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. So The Pants of Perspective is the book. How can people get to... Oh, and by the way, I can endorse this book. Anna was kind enough to send me a copy, and I've managed to read a small chunk so far. I just got it, uh, I think, three days ago, Anna. It just got here. Oh, man, it takes a while, doesn't it? It does. The pond. the pond is not as big as it used to be, but... You know, for book shipping no, rate. And I know, I yeah. know, I could have sent you an electric, electronic version, but I just think people need a good paperback. You know, a little curl up with a paperback is really nice. I think it's so nice to not I have hope to plug you enjoy it in. the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, I will, yeah, I will. But, but I just wanted to say that the writing style is clever. It's uh, it's a really fun read, and uh, it makes me chuckle. And and I'm right there with you on the adventure. I think it's the perfect book for someone who wants to know what it was really like. And uh, so I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful book about your life experiences uh, running New Zealand. So cool. Yeah. Can, oh, can I interject and just say can, it, it is a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, but you do expose my big, fat, hairy lady balls, Anna. <laughs> <Is that laughs> what? Yes. Yes. Thank you for that one. <laughs> okay. No, it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm not it's an incredible book, but um, yeah, you'll have to read it to find out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. People can get it from Amazon. It's it's a magic little world where you you buy it on Amazon and it gets printed off in South Carolina and shipped to you. It's it's magic overnight. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. It's a, it's a fun book, and Anna, of course. You've done a lot of adventures. You explain in the book some of the background. Um, we got Faye's background a little bit, and we've had your background on previous shows, but we might as well fill people in. So your parents yeah. were Olympians? Yes, yes, they were Olympians. And yeah, you were following in their footsteps with, with crew or rowing, right? Yes, yeah, yeah I was, yeah, for but a while. But at, at some point, you lost lost your taste for it a little bit, and you decided to try some other things. But you were having quite a bit of success with that. Before you started the big adventures too. Yeah, yeah, no, I was. I rode for Great Britain for a while, for about four four years. Um, but I think I just it didn't quite suit my personality in the end. This sort of elite sports world. Um, you know, when I've got a goal, I will go for it. But I, I was using rowing really as a, a, a tool to try and see the world, and then I realised I was seeing it in two kilometre lakes. You know, we'd get off the plane, <laughs> do a regatta, and then get back on. And I think I just had this huge well of wanderlust and so much sort of creativity in me that wanted to come out that wasn't really getting an outlet and and so yeah I, I ended up giving up on the Olympic dream and uh, and trying to sort of just pursue another path really which started with a, a, a corporate job I didn't enjoy for a while and then eventually led me to madcap adventures where I get to write and speak and take pictures and tell stories and yeah it's just awesome wouldn't change it for the world mm. Well, it's really fun the way that you've developed an adventure-focused lifestyle. I don't know what else to call it, you know, but I think that it's really fun when someone finds a way to go out there and have those life experiences. And Faye, what is your way? How do you manage all these experiences? I've recently changed where I want to go with my life. I think on the last trip, it I, I'd just been made redundant from my 
my previous job, which was a, a farm animal health consultant for a local college. Um, so I was made redundant um, and I thought, do you know what, I, as part of um, the mountain rescue team, I'm a, I'm a, mad, a medic, so a casualty carer. And I really enjoy that. I really love, you know, being right in the thick of it all, working with the casualty, you know, at the time in their life where they're, they're most in need. And that is what makes that is what makes me tick. And having the time to cycle through the Andes and really look at every part of my life and think which bit am I not quite happy with. Um, it's given me time to find out that, you know, that's the part I'm not that happy with at the moment. And and now I'm sort of working towards becoming a paramedic. So um, at the minute, it's it's yeah working, working towards that goal. Neat. I, I love the way that each of you, both of you are chasing your dreams. It's so cool. Let's talk a little bit about what it takes to actually do a trip like this. I mean, this is pretty extreme. This is not just biking South America. You chose the hardest routes and perhaps not the easiest way to do the hardest routes. But um, what does someone need to do if they want to experience something like this? I mean, Anna, here we are, someone that was headed for the Olympics. So we know that you're pretty fit. You ran the length of New Zealand. Well, that that kind of speaks to it. You've already biked all 50 U.S. states. So, okay, we, everyone just says, all right, so Anna is just like super fit, whatever, right? Faye, maybe I should ask you this question. What did it take for you? Sidelines. <laughs> what did it take for you to get prepared for a trip like this? Um, actually, su- surprisingly little. I'm most definitely not an athlete. You know, I enjoy, enjoy walking. Uh, I cycle every now and then. Um, but really to prepare for this trip, I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I I went on like a few bike rides beforehand. I would cycle once a week, maybe like 40 miles. Um, li- really minimal preparation in terms of fitness. I just figured it would come uh, as I was on the adventure. And and actually, it was it was one of my worries uh, that Anna would be much fitter than I was and that I would get left behind or I'd, I'd feel like I'd, I was slowing Anna down. But um, it it sort of it was all right actually in the end i think i think we both had our strengths and um and and also our weaknesses but we sort of balanced each other out and and got on really well in terms of in terms of our fitness this episode of the adventure sports podcast is brought to you by 180tac.com 180tac manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com. HydroBlue is a water filter company that was created to provide high-quality water filters at an affordable price while helping end the world water crisis. They strive to make clean water more acceptable to the outdoor adventurer and the less fortunate. Check out their website at www.hydroblu.com. So how long did it take when you started riding to get to the point where it wasn't just pain anymore? I know in the beginning you had the altitude to deal with, getting used to heavy bicycles and just being on the bike that much. How long does it take before you're like, oh, this isn't so bad? Oh, I I, I don't know. I I reckon like the first first month probably was pretty difficult. I think it's difficult to say because the, you know, the first month of the trip was extremely, extremely difficult terrain. I mean, it was ma- massively high altitude and big um, levels of ascent each day. So I don't know whether that was us acclimatizing and, and getting slowly fitter or if that was, that was just really difficult terrain. And so it would have been hard if we were any fitter anyway. Um, what, what do you think on that one? Yeah, I I think it was like a month to six weeks, and then the six <clears throat> weeks thing always rings true. From I know when I was when I was doing um like elite sports, they always said for any training to have an effect, you know, it needs to you need to give it a six week run. And then I remember in New Zealand, it was about the kind of six week point I think where my body went, oh okay, I get what you're trying to do. And I feel like <laughs> it was quite similar in this. Like definitely the first 
oh, I remember the first two weeks in South America was so uncomfortable. And, <laughs> you know, you you're in you're wearing your, your light. We're wearing like lycra shorts, and everything just feels a bit tighter because you you know it's just all ugh. Um, but yeah, I think sort of four a month to six weeks is a good amount of time before your body just suddenly goes, oh, okay, I get it now, like I'm ready. And oh, it was amazing yeah. to have those days where we'd wake up and Faye, you like I remember there were some mornings where I was like, Faye, slow down, <laughs> <laughs> like Faye's strong, she's such a strong rider. And, and there would be days where I was like, I couldn't keep up in the morning. I was like, I can't do this all day. And then there would be some other days where, um, you know, I'd be faster or whatever. It was, um, yeah, yeah you were. There, you were really strong at the endurance, like for sure. I mean, by by the end of the day, seven seven o'clock at night, I was I was ready to call it a day most nights. But Anna, you were like, oh, I could probably go on for another <laughs> few hours. Yeah, I think, I think that was several, different. Several Faye, times. Yeah, Faye was Faye was Faye has a lot more sort of shorter, um, a lot, a lot of speed and strength. Whereas I can't go very fast, but I can keep going for hours and hours and hours. Mm. So it was yeah. kind of finding a happy medium between the two. But um, yeah, oh, I love that's what I love about adventures though as well. The, you put your body through it, and then suddenly it just adapts. Like that's you know that's that's what we're supposed to do as humans. It's how we work. That's amazing. Yeah. You avoided injuries enough for your bodies to adapt, and I want to point that out because. Sometimes people just get injured, and that's the end of the game. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Faye had a knee injury, but it was saved by some peppers. <laughs> peppers. Or capsicums. Yeah, <laughs> peppers to the save the save the day. <laughs> well, tell us that story, Faye. Uh, it's, it's it's not as exciting as, as the dog bite story, but I'll go for it anyway. I I basically picked up this is in Patagonia, so I think we're about five months into the trip. Just a bit of tendonitis in my knee, and Anna was like, "I know what to do. I've had this before." and she was like, we need to rice, rest ice, compress, compression and elevation. So we we were luckily just in a, in a town uh, in Patagonia that we, we bought some frozen peppers, iced my knee and ate the peppers for dinner. And, you know, the peppers and a bit of um, tape taped up my knee. That fixed it pretty quickly. Um, so really, apart from, yeah, just a few days of tendonitis in my knee. Anna was bitten by a dog. Oh, my. Um yeah, which yeah, is pretty I've scary. I've got a good scar. I've got a really good scar from that one. That <laughs> really? Was, that was probably our biggest injury. Yeah, we, we were holed up in a town waiting for a package to arrive. <clears throat> and we just decided to wait one more day and go for a little ride without any of our stuff on. And we were just turned around this ride, heading half an hour back. And uh, this dog came out of a, a house barking at us. And we were quite used to it. And we had different techniques. And one of the techniques was to stop, stand your ground, scream at it. And so I stopped, stood my ground, Faye had gone through, and this other dog came around the side of the house, kind of a short, like, staffy, and he just clamped his jaws around the front of my um, shin and just bit down. Oh, I've no. I've never experienced pain like it. It was horrendous. It was bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so then there were a couple of hospital trips, some rabies jabs, and, oh. uh, yeah, the uh, whole the- shebang. The best bit was when uh, when when we went into the the first hospital. Anna's Spanish is 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 very good, and she was definitely the Spanish speaker out of the two of us. I would attempt, but it would be pretty poor. But um, we looked up sort of how to say I've been bitten by a dog, um, and what we didn't realise was, was that the word for dog, um, which is perro, and the word <laughs> for hill, which is cerro, is very similar. And so Anna, of course, went in and said, I've been bitten by a, by a hill <laughs> in Spanish. And the doctor looked at us pretty bizarrely, but, uh, but no. Yeah, I think so he got the gist hill. of it. Yeah. It reminds me of that, was it Monty Python, where uh, the sound of music, the hills are alive and <laughs> the hill yeah. bit. Oh, well. Yes. The hill bit me. Exactly, exactly. Oh, man. Well, a dog bite on top of everything else that's just totally unnecessary don't you agree oh, i know it's just extravagant i mean we've got enough good stories i just thought i'd get another one and i don't really yeah i love dogs but i didn't do anything to help with my my love of dogs you know but after that no. i was a bit scared of them mm. i've still i've got some good scars i've got a great scar mark from the canines in my leg yeah. wow did it keep you from biking um we we rested it up i think it was sort of a, a day or two and then really it was just really swollen so i just was having to unclip it on the rough ground because it was like all the swelling kind of bouncing Shaking around mm. yeah but um i just kept an eye on it and it was that luckily the the wound didn't wasn't it too big it was just the punctures so it was more just the internal swelling and it you know it went down within a week and um it was more the the scariest thing was going to the first hospital and being told i don't need to have rabies jabs and me going away thinking i'm pretty sure 
I do. You know, I'd had my pre-jabs, but this there was a doctor that was just misinformed. And so mm. I eventually had to go to another hospital and lie and say I hadn't been seen and thankfully got the right treatment. You know, and it's just one of those things where you think, I'm sure this is fine and this dog doesn't have rabies. But, you know, you just never, you don't want to take that chance. Right. Um, so, yeah, we took the sensible option, as always. Definitely. Well, that just wasn't fair for the two dogs to tag team you like that. One to to distract no. you while the other one came at exactly. you. Exactly. It was like, do you remember like the WWE, like the Bushwhacker Boys? It reminded <laughs> me of that. I thought this is just, you know, this is unruly. Oh man! And then yeah. I saw on Instagram a story about Patagonia and wanting to hike into those beautiful peaks, and it, somehow it turned into to a crazy mad dash. What was that about? Oh yeah, go on, Faye. Fitzroy Day. Oh, that was Fitzroy Day. When um when Adam McNuff suggests um going for a hike, you know it's not <laughs> gonna be sort of a standard hike. She ran um, New Zealand, remember? Yeah, exactly. I, I should have re- remembered that. I, I was totally <laughs> I was totally up for going to see like the iconic Fitzroy peaks of, of Patagonia. And um this hike was meant to take sort of between six and eight hours. Um but just as we we're setting off, Anna just drops it that you know, the McNuff family tradition is to try and halve the hike time of any given oh, <laughs> suggested my. hike. So I was like, oh, gosh, I honestly is... just thought it was normal. I said it very much <laughs> yeah. factly. I was like, well, of course we're going to try and half it, right? And like, it, what yeah. are you That's about? what my family does. <laughs> yeah. A family of Olympians. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm like, right, okay, this is a day off, but here we go. And I was there in my cycling shoes because I'd only brought, you know, my cycling shoes with cleats on the bottom. And, and uh, yeah, so we, we just, we nailed it really didn't we we we, 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 um, we hiked we hiked up to um bottom of the base of Fitzroy and then and then ran, ran back down pretty much but oh just incredible scenery um yeah but what what do we do it in in the end something like four and a half four, five hours yeah. something like that four or four there you go four hours but the peak <laughs> the peaks are amazing um Kurt, I don't if you know a Fitzroy it's the you probably you probably do like they're they're the peaks that you see in the Patagonia that the the um the logo the brand, is right. those iconic um that iconic set of peaks um and they're just it's just ridiculous like a postcard honestly you get out there and there's this beautiful aquamarine colored lake and these peaks behind it that just look like someone's a, a kid has drawn them um yeah just amazing and then well, we had i yeah. think we came back for ice cream and wine didn't we and pizza yeah yeah <laughs> i must say you you absolutely trounced me going up this hill, the final last little hill towards the viewing point of Fitzroy. And there were these people going up with, you know, poles and stuff. Anna was skipping up there like a gazelle. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And I was huffing and puffing behind. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was a good day. It was a good day off. <laughs> well, you know, I have looked at those peaks in pictures for many years and, uh, they're, they are iconic. It, they really stand oh, yeah. out to me and just, wow, what a magical place. They're incredible. That's it. And it was just, I, I couldn't get my head around the fact that it was just a day hike. You know, it was just a day hike and you went from sort of semi being able to see them to there they were. Oh, uh, yeah. The accessibility of it, I just thought was amazing. Hmm. Well, what about plans for the future? What is on the horizon? What's going to happen next? Anna, you go first. Yeah, well, I am in a month's time, well, a month from now, I am leaving to head across Canada in a, unfortunately, with a motor this time, in a camper van um, with my other half, Jamie McDonald, who is a crazy adventure nutter. Um, we should get him on the show, actually. Well, I'm going to start that campaign. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he ran across Canada when I was doing the 50 state cycle. We didn't know each other then, but he was, he ran across Canada dressed as a superhero, as you do. <laughs> and, um, so he, he's, he wrote a book about it, which is coming out. It came out in the UK last year, but is now coming out in Canada and the US. So we're kind of going across on a book tour. Um, but I'm, I, you know, I'll be, and he's doing lots of talks in schools and things, and I'm going to be pitching in and doing talks, community talks in schools and everything where I can as well. Um, but I'm also using it as a bit of a platform to, I have a book to write about my cycle ride through the 50 states, which sure. has been sitting there half written. So, um, yeah, that's, that's next for me, a bit of a road trip and some more writing. A road trip and some more writing. Any yeah. dreams? Okay, go reach farther for me. Any um, dreams yes. for future adventures that may or may not happen? Yes, I have um I have a special idea for a running adventure um that I think might take a couple of years to pull off. 
So, um, yeah, I'm thinking 2019 for that one. So I'm just um, I'm just fathoming that one out of my head because I think it will require quite a lot of planning. So, um, yes, I'm very excited about that one. So definitely I want to get back to running. I love cycling, um, but I'm keen to do some more running adventures. Mm, that sounds fun. Faye, what about you? Um, I think we we cycled past um, Aconcagua, which is um, it's the highest mountain in the Southern Hemisphere. And it's a mountain I've wanted to climb since Kilimanjaro and when we both saw it we both looked at each other and we're like we've, we've got to get up that mountain at some point um and so Aconcagua really for me is at, just at the top of my bucket list like I would love 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 to climb to to climb and summit Aconcagua I think um and we've agreed sort of Anna and I if we ever get the opportunity to do it we will we'll do that one together that will be our our, um, yeah. our, our peak, our over six thousand meter peak, hopefully. Um, so, so yeah, that that one is that one's a dream. But, um, but the minute I'm sort of focusing on the paramedic path and having my little adventures here and there, um, but nothing, nothing ginormous at the moment. <laughs> well, is it true that Aconcagua is farther from the center of the Earth than Everest? Is it? I have not heard this rumor. This is scandalous. That is such a cool fact. I think it's true. Really... I believe it's true. It's because the Earth has the equatorial bulge, right? So from sea level, it's obviously not the highest. But yeah, if you yeah, look yeah. at the center of the Earth and the way that the whole Earth bulges in the middle, including sea level, then that the, the top of Aconcagua may actually be farther from the center of the Earth than Everest. <gasps> well... That you just Sold. added to it now. Sold. Yeah. We are, we've got to go there. <laughs> going. We're going right now. Well, I've heard that to be true, and I'd like to hear it confirmed, but I've heard that that's true, and that's kind of a cool, lesser-known fact, just because our world is not really a, a perfect sphere. I think oh. we're going to have to, Anna and I are going to have to go there and confirm it for you, Kurt. Yep. Be yeah, welcome absolutely. to come. And doesn't that just say everything about life? Our world is not a perfect sphere. What is ever a perfect <laughs> yeah. sphere? Okay. Man, you know... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and anna you also have something going on new a not-for-profit organization called adventure queens what is that it's my new passion um because obviously i just thought how can i cram more into my life yeah um, it, um <laughs> it's it well it started with a couple a couple of years ago i started doing some interviews with um with sort of first-time female adventurers because i wanted to get right behind what it is that that people go through to go on these journeys so I don't want to talk about all the people that just do it and say it's amazing I want to know like what you're scared of so I did sort of this series of interviews and it was called the adventure queens and then it kind of started to go into well what about rather than just getting people to go on these big journeys what about little small things and I thought well one of the smallest adventures you can do is um is a wild camp you know go out sleep on a hill and so I thought I know there are a lot of women especially that probably would like to go and do that kind of thing but all they need is a bit of a is a bit of a nudge and a bit of a helping hand. So I just put out this call on my social media and I said, um, I'm thinking of starting a thing and some advice for some wild camping in the UK for women. You know, anyone interested, what do you think? Sign up here. I had like 600 people sign up to an email list in two mm, days. Wow. And I, um, I know. And I just thought, I sat back from my computer. And I thought, oh, I think I need to do something with this. So um, I thought, right, I can't run this myself. I don't have enough space in my life. So I called up my one of my best friends, Emma, who um, is the most organized. I mean, I like spreadsheets, but she loves spreadsheets. <laughs> She's the most organized, incredible woman. And I said, Ems, would you help me run this this thing, this whatever this is going to be? And um, it's just, yeah, it's taken off. So it's it's just um, a, a sort of a tribe of women, a community of women going out, enjoying their own back garden and trying to get out while camping and just enjoy what everything that Britain has to offer. And um, and I'm about to launch a dream as well, which is that I'm going to uh, launch my own grant. So I'm launching it this week, Adventure Queen Grant, where we're going to give £1,000 to a girl to go on her first big adventure. So we're just about to open up applications for that. So if there's anyone listening, it doesn't have to be UK-based. Um, they can apply for the Adventure Queen grant. So if I wear, I don't know, a mini skirt, can I apply yeah, for the grant? you look great. That's it. That's absolutely it. Mini skirt and then just some big, I think you need a big curly fro. Red. <laughs> I can do the curly fro. I should turn the camera on. I've got it going right now. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Actually do need a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> 
you, you know, I would like to throw the word out there too about Sarah Williams and her Tough Girl podcast. I know Anna, you've been on oh, that. Yeah. Uh, Faye, I don't oh, know if you have or not, yeah. but no, I've listened to it though. Yeah, I just wanted to mention it because for all of our female listeners out there, she interviews people like Anna and and Faye a lot, and it's very encouraging. On uh, so you're a lady who who is interested in adventure. It's very encouraging on how to uh, kick your butt out the door and get going. So it's a really great one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Kirk, can we just thank you for providing us with hours and hours and hours thank of entertainment you. in South America? Honestly, we binge listened the whole way along. <laughs> no, I'm and sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we totally did, and then we compare notes at the end of each podcast. Yeah. We'd be like, "Oh yeah. my gosh, what did you think of this?" It was it was oh. brilliant, a savior actually in in many instances. So yeah, nice yeah. one, and thank you. Well, I'm glad that I was on the trip. I had no idea, but now that I know, I feel better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were yeah. fine because you live at altitude. You didn't even feel it. That's why. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Well, I do hope that the Adventure Sports Podcast can encourage other people to get out there and have some fun. I mean, that's what we always say, right? That's what it's all about. So I'm I'm glad that it was a resource that didn't wear you down too much. No, we loved it. It inflated us. Oh, that's great. Well, we are running about out of time. Any last notes that we have to cover before we call it a night? Not for me. I think that's everything. No, it's all good. That's all good. Thank you ever so much. Had a great time. I've had a blast. You are more than welcome. And I would love to hear more about South America and about your trip. But like I said, we are running out of time. So thank you very much, Anna McNuff and Faye Shepard. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. Oh, you bet. And for all of our listeners out there, it's like I always say, get out there and have some fun. Coming up on Thursday's episode, Jen's Jacob Anderson is here to talk about running, running shoes, and the 20 highest ridges in northern Norway. Until then, visit our Patreon page and get out there and have some fun.